Welcome to New Hope and the teaching ministry of Pastor Randy Rainwater. Last time, Pastor Randy taught on knowing how to pause. Today, our youth minister, Josh Alamon, continues our series in the New Testament book of Revelation. It doesn't matter where you are in this world. You can't hide from his judgment. You can't. And nothing, says Josh, can separate God's love from penetrating your heart. As Daniel Rainwater prays over Josh, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 10. God, I just pray that this morning that you would speak through him, that there would be prophetic words spoken over this community this morning through you, through the word. And we just love you and we thank you for loving us in your name. Amen. 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 Thanks, bro. Thanks, guys. What is up, church? Man, second time up here. I can't believe it. I was for sure after the first time that it wasn't going to happen again. But God is good. That he is. Open up your Bibles to the book of Revelation. Second easiest book to find. Right? We're going to be in chapter 10, verse 8. And uh, look, man, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a big fan of the book of Revelation. I'm I'm sorry. I'm going to get in so much trouble for this. it's, it scares me. It, it does. I'm sorry. And if it doesn't scare you a little bit, I'm going to have to call you a little bit of a liar. I mean, come on. It, there's a little part of it that you're just like, oh, Lord. Oh, I don't know if I want to know about this. You know? It's not really the book that you're like, oh, man, I want to have a personal devotional real quick. Let me learn about the horsemen of death. You know, it's like, that's not, that's not really what I want, right? It scares me, you know, I just figure that um, uh, eventually God is going to, um, um, you know, catch up with all of the sins that I have committed, and he's finally going to punish me, you know. It's like the, the, the New Testament's like love and grace, and then at the end it's like, aha, I knew it, it was coming, <laughs> you know. And I know about um, punishment, I grew up in a Spanish household, right, And um, Spanish moms, Cuban moms, they use a very specific tool uh, to scare us, and it's called a chancleta. (laughs) It works very well. And the funny thing about a chancleta is that it really doesn't hurt that much. It just makes this specific sound (laughs) that scares me. Still, I mean, I'm 37, and my mom walks in with chancletas, and I'm like... Did I say a bad word? I'm pretty sure I did it. The chancleta is real, man. It's real. Some countries call it chancla. We call it chancleta. And I'm pretty sure that Cuban moms go through like a martial arts school or something with a chancleta. I mean, they are so accurate with this thing. It's, it's ridiculous. My mom was not an athletic person by any means, but holy cow, when she had that chancleta, bro, it's time to run. It's time to run. I'm pretty sure she can take out SEAL Team 6 with this thing. I mean, it's just phenomenal. Phenomenal. I remember I was uh, talking to a friend of mine, and she spoke very little English um, at that time. And Well, still. And I was on the phone with my friend, and I said a bad word. And before the sound waves left my mouth, she was walking by like this, and she stopped, and she turned her head. 
and immediately lifted her leg and the chancleta went flying off her foot and she grabbed it in midair and threw it. I mean, it was like, it was like the Cuban Bruce Lee, bro. I'm serious. It was incredible. It was incredible. So I figured if my mom was so accurate with the chancleta, I don't want to know about God's chancleta. You know what I'm saying? Like if he's mad at me, I do not want to be in the same room when he's mad at me. And that's what I figured what the book of Revelation was. It's like, oh, now God's, now God's going to get his. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, no, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Whew. A few years after that, I remember, um, I, I, man, I, I was in a really dark place, and I started doing really bad things to my body. And my mom found out about it. She walked into the room, and I, I was expecting the chancleta, but what I got was a lot worse. She had tears in her eyes. She walked up to me and she put her hand on my chest and she said, Mijo, my son, what are you doing to yourself? Oh, I would have rather received 5,000 chancletas than that. See, I came to a really quick conclusion that the things that I was doing to myself, I was actually doing to her 10 times fold. I came to a quick conclusion of the love that she had for me, or has for me. And then I came to that fast, quick conclusion of why the chancletas came. <laughs> That's the book of Revelation. Yeah, he says, guys, get ready. Tough times might come. Correction, they will come. But you are my beloved. You are my beloved. I love you so much. And wherever you go, I will be. So Randy, last week, he talked about, uh, about how to pause and how to realize what's going on. But see, in verse 8, things change a little bit. See, Jesus is now, before Jesus is telling and showing uh, John these specific visions and things, he's like, look, this is what's going to happen. Write this down. And now look at this. Now write this down, right? But see, in verse 8, things change. It went from, hey, check this out, to now you have a mission. Now you have to do it. On verse 8, it says this. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, go. See, it's an action. Go and take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. The one that's standing in the sea and the land. In other words, it doesn't matter where you are in this world. You can't hide from his judgment. You can't. There's nowhere that you can hide from his judgment. When he says this shall happen, it's going to happen. There's nowhere that you can hide from him. But on the other side of the page... There's nowhere where you can go without his love. There's nowhere that you can go. There's no sin that can cover you. There's no ocean that's deep enough. There's nothing in this world that can stop his love from penetrating your heart. There just isn't. You know, and sometimes we don't understand the magnitude of having the Holy Spirit inside of us. 
I mean, think about it a second. We're talking about the, in the Old Testament when the Ark of the Covenant was going through and the presence of God was there, people would just barely touch it and they would immediately die. We're talking about the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one that has the universe in the palm of his hand. And inside that universe, there's this little sun and on that sun, there's an earth somewhere in there and in that earth is us, God. The presence of God is in you. The, the presence, the Holy Spirit, God himself is in you. There's nowhere that you can hide from his love. Nowhere. And verse 9 continues, it says, So I went to the angel and I told him to give me the little scroll. Hold up one second. Why little scroll? Why not a big scroll? Was it actually little? Hmm. I think what he's trying to say is that if God is going to give us information, he's going to have to dumb it down to our level. Real talk. I mean, think about it. When you try to explain to your four-year-old the difference between trigonometry and algebra, you're not going to be like, well, see the alphabets. and the No, you're going to be like, okay, look. There's just specific things you're just not going to understand right now. But this is what you can understand. These are numbers, and they come together, or sometimes they separate. That's all you want to know right now, right? So remember, we're talking about this God, right? Remember the universe God, the one that has everything in the palm of his hand? When he tells us something, he's got to bring it down to our level, not just for us to understand, but for us to explain it right? There's no way that he's going to come up to you and express himself to what God is, because we're going to be like, oh, boo, boo. there's no way. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You know, there's a lot of things, especially in the book of Revelation, that we, we just don't know. I mean, there's a lot of it. There's a lot of information there that you can argue all you want. That's great. Degrees, the whole shebang, that's great. I get it. That's cool. But you're not going to know the answer. You're just not. Church, that's called faith. That's called faith. So please be careful, church. Please let us, let us all be careful because I do it too. Let's all be careful and make sure that the arguments that we had ahead of us don't push us away from what really what God wants us to do. Man, these arguments have separated churches before. We need to stay together with what we know. We need to have faith in what we know, and that is Jesus. Hebrews 11 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, an assurance about what we do not see. There's just things you ain't going to see, y'all. Have faith in it. Have faith in the one that wrote it. Sorry, continue reading. And he said to me, take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth, it will be sweet as honey. Verse 10, and I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I've eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. 
verse 11, and I was told you must go. Correction. You must again prophesy about many people and nations and languages and kings. God's word, sweet to the palate, but bitter in the stomach. Hmm. Well, I, I for sure know the sweet part. Because oh, I, re- I remember like if it was yesterday, when I noticed all the things in this book that God wanted me to know. And I fell in love with it. You guys remember that day? You remember falling in love with Jesus like that? And you realize that all of the bondages of this world mean nothing because of the blood of Jesus and this God of gods, the King of kings. And he, he loves me so much. He gave a son for me. Do you remember that passion, that love, that first time you fell in love with Jesus like that? Oh, man, sweet as honey. Come on now. Whew. But what about the bitterness? What makes it bitter? For me, there's three things specifically that make it bitter. The first of them is, for me, the self-realization of what I deserve. That's just me. I guess that's the old cop in me. Hey, you make your bed, you got to sleep in it. That's it. You do the crime, you got to pay it. You know? And that's just me because I know what I deserve. I know exactly what I deserve. And it's not the love that God gives me. God says otherwise. He does. See, I chose sin and he chose love. I was, I'm the one that says, no, God, I don't deserve you. I'm too dirty for you. I am way too dirty for you. He goes, I know. That's why I gave you Jesus, to die on the cross for you and to clean those sins. Oh. And to think, to think that him being God, he doesn't need a thing. He doesn't need anything. He's God. He wants my heart. That's so difficult for me to understand that a God that doesn't need anything, he wants my heart. Mm. And he wants my heart so much that he's, he's willing to give a son for me? How much do you have to love someone to give up your son? He gave a son for you. Man, that's, that's a love we can't understand. And being God, he wears the scars for my mistakes. Like the song says, and that just wrecks me. That just wrecks me. The second thing is the the fact that, you know, the closer I get to God and the more I realize who he is, I realize how he grieves for sinners, you know? You know, just that, that heart pain that he has when we sin against him, when we sin and we separate ourselves from him just a little bit, you know? Oh. You know, let's say one of your kids is in the slums of Cambodia right now and he is starving to death. What would you do to get there to help him? Anything. Anything. Bird plane, boat, swim, I'm getting there, right? 
Like, I don't have any kids. I have two nieces and a nephew. They're my world. If they are in danger, and I feel like they're, they're in danger, good luck if you're between us. Because I'm going to get there. It might not be pretty, but I'm gonna, I promise you I'm going to get there. I can't imagine God. I can't imagine God that you're going through life and you're like, man, I wish God was here. Man, this, this is not the way God, this is not the way life is supposed to be. And the whole time God's going, my son, my daughter, if you would just call my name, call my name and I will fill your life with my spirit. Call my name. I can't imagine that hurt. I can't imagine it. Whew. And third, I think the worst one of all, I can't imagine God looking down and realizing even though he gave a son to die for us, there's some of us that are, they just say no. What? They just say no, and they're like, I don't want you. Oh my goodness, I can't, I can't imagine the hurt. Like I, I keep on remembering my mom when she found out I was hurting myself like that. And I, man, I, I can't imagine how he feels. That's why at this day and age, I know that a true hero is the person that is so close to God that he feels the same pain that he does and he's going to do everything he can or she can to reach the next person for Jesus. That's what a true hero is. That's what a true hero is. Worship team coming up. I'm pretty quick. There's this, uh, there's this story of this pastor. His name was John Harper. And John Harper uh, was a pastor in the early 1900s. And he uh, was from Scotland. I hope I said that right. Scotland. I'm a big Braveheart fan. Scotland. And uh, he's from, he was from Scotland, and he got the calling to go to Chicago uh, in early, early 1900s to preach the gospel. So he came to Chicago with his daughter, Nana. Uh, his wife passed away of an unknown disease. And they came to Chicago, and they were preaching the gospel. And about a year after that, he received a letter from Britain saying, hey, I really, we really need you to come back. There's some bad situations going on. And he said, absolutely, let me go get a ticket back, right? So he goes and gets the ticket, but he was going to um, actually float back in the, the famous Lusitania. And he was like, you know what? There's a revival in Chicago. I, I got to stay an extra week. I'm sorry, Great Britain. You're going to have to deal without me for another week. I'll just get a ticket a week after with another ship called the Titanic. So he did. And um, on April 14th, 2000, or correction, 1912, not 2000. That Sunday morning, very early in the morning, they had a church service. And Pastor Harper went up, and he, was, he wasn't huge in actual preaching. He was more like in discipleship. He loved, he loved talking to people one-on-one. -on -one. That was his thing. And uh, he went around, and he spoke to people about Jesus that day. And uh, because of the higher class at that time on, the, on that side of the ship, a lot of them didn't listen. Oh, well. But at 11.40 p.m. that night, things changed, didn't they? 
The Titanic, like you guys know, hit an iceberg and began to sink. And John Harper, when he realized what was going on, the first thing he did was he picked up his daughter and he wrapped her up as warm as possible. And he came up to one of the crewmen, put her on a lifeboat, and he, he, the history books say that he looked at him in the face and said, you keep her safe. And he said, yes, sir. And then he immediately got back on the boat and started running around the ship while it was sinking to tell as many people about Jesus as possible. And he came up to the Scotman, and he's, he was obviously scared. And Mr. Harper came up to me and said, son, do you believe in Jesus? He goes, nope, sure don't. Not now at least. And he said, you don't, listen, believe in Jesus so you can be saved. And he said, right now, I don't believe in Jesus. And he said, okay, that's fine. But here, take my life jacket. You're gonna need this a lot more than I do. When the ship went down, the stories say that John Harper was swimming person to person telling them about Jesus because he knew they had little left. And once again, he came up to this Scotsman and he said, son, do you believe in Jesus? And the man said, no, I don't. And he said, believe in Jesus, you can be saved. And he goes, okay. And he kept on swimming. And once again, he came back, he goes, do you believe in Jesus now? And he says, no. And he goes, son, believe in Jesus so you can be saved and spend eternity in heaven. What's the 20 years you got in this earth compared to eternity? John Harper kept on swimming, and unfortunately his muscles stopped and he went under. But this Scotsman, he told in a very famous church in Hamilton, Canada, he stood up and he said, I'm one of the seven survivors of the Titanic after we, uh, we hit the water. And he said, by myself, well, I was for sure gonna die. Two miles of sea under me. I finally believed. He opened up a church in Canada. Yeah. Man, we all know that person, right? We all know those people, maybe in your family or at work or wherever it is, even at church, that you know you have a job to do and tell them about Jesus. And just like, just like the Titanic guys, I'm sorry to say, but they're in a sinking ship. They really are. And you have a specific job to do. We do. God told us very clearly, go make disciples. Today's the day to make that difference. Today's the day to make that difference and have a real relationship with God so that burns in your heart to make a difference in this world. You imagine if every church, at least 50% did this, this country would be different. The time is now, church, but there's another page to that. What about if you're like that Scotsman that's been floating in that water for a while and you're just going through life trying to figure something out, you're like, there's gotta be more than this. There is. 
It's got a name. His name is Jesus. Because that's your only ticket to have a relationship with God. So Randy's going to come up, but, you know, while we're praying and while we're doing communion, if you feel like God is just making a difference right now, today, that you're going to change your life to be a true Christian, we're not talking about just... We're not talking about just a title because you warm up a seat on Sunday. No, we're talking about a person that's willing to make a difference in our community to reach people for Jesus. If that's you, if you want to make that decision, man, let's pray together and let's do it. But at the same page, if you need Jesus today, if you don't have him, if you want to have that experience, don't leave this place without asking him. Online, same thing. Don't let this, that video turn off without knowing who Jesus is. Let's pray. Father, oh, my Father. God, how we love you. I can't, I can't understand your love. <laughs> It's, I mean, it's so perfect, and I'm so not. <laughs> and we, we're just so grateful for who you are. Thank you so much. And Father, I ask for one thing. If there's anyone in this room that doesn't know who you are, please, that today is the day. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. I'm Sheba Saja.